This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. How many times have we talked about how Governor Cuomo of New York has the worst results, has been the biggest failure, the most egregious buffoon and caused the most unnecessary suffering and death of any governor in America? We've been saying it for many months here on the show because it's obvious, because we know it's true. But he was important for a while to Democrats. Now, why was he important? Because he was turning on Trump as soon as things got tough with COVID. And so he was useful. He became a tool for the other side. He decided that the way to get the media to back him up, including, of course, his brother, who has a primetime show at CNN, the way to get him to back him up, uh, to w- the way to get the media aligned behind him was to go all out on Trump trashing. And then it's like you have a, a cloak of invincibility. Then you can do anything, say anything, and the media will debase themselves to lie for you. Well, now we have the proof we need that this wasn't even just something that went awry but that there was an active cover-up of the disastrous nursing home order from Governor Cuomo, Democrat of New York. At one point, talked about as a possible last-minute presidential candidate before Biden had even won the primary. Remember that? There were people who were buying Cuomo underwear. There was a a trend on social media of, of people referring to themselves as Cuomo sexuals because he was so hot. This is real. That's true. Because he was doing such a great job in those press conferences. He got an Emmy. That's right. An Emmy for his COVID press conferences. And now we find out that they were hiding the nursing home data so that the Trump administration, so the Department of Justice last year, couldn't look into anything, couldn't figure out what had really happened. And, of course, this was all about the 2020 election. More information suppressed that the public should know about on behalf of Democrats doing an awful job. This shouldn't be surprising to anybody. Now we have the proof. I'd also say it feels good to be right. A lot lot of being right this week for the Buckster. Got to tell you. And with Cuomo, this is yet another one we have to put on that list. Here's the story. Cuomo aide Melissa DeRosa admits they hid nursing home data so feds wouldn't find out. This is in the New York Post. Governor Cuomo's top aide privately apologized to Democratic lawmakers for withholding the state's nursing home death toll from COVID-19, telling them, quote, we froze out of fear that the numbers, the true numbers, would be used against us by federal prosecutors. The stunning admission of a cover-up was made by Secretary to the Governor Melissa DeRosa during a video conference call with state Democratic leaders in which she said the Cuomo administration had rebuffed a legislative request for the tally in August because right around the same time, then-President Donald Trump turns this into a giant political football according to an audio recording of the two-hour-plus meeting. Exactly what I've been telling you is what happened here. 
They lied about the deaths in the nursing homes because the number was so huge and so catastrophic and so much higher than anywhere else in the country that they knew it would be politically disastrous. So Cuomo hid the numbers and kept having his press conferences. Let's think about this, too. Was this a a a tough call to make when you have a disease that is overwhelmingly dangerous to people who are over 65? By far, the the single biggest risk factor here is age. When you have a disease that's so dangerous to people who are, who are older like that and you have people who already have the disease in that age bracket, so their immune system is very taxed and they probably have a large viral load. And while they're still active with the virus, you send them back into nursing homes. I mean, this was the executive order equivalent of a mass casualty attack. Nine thousand seniors. That's the number. 9,000 seniors believed to be still recovering from COVID, still have active virus, still shedding that virus, sent back into nursing homes where they were a huge infection risk to their fellow high at risk population. And as we know, in New York, about 12,000 seniors in nursing homes alone died, died. 12,743 as of January 19th. That came from the uh, state attorney general, Leticia James. Now, this is one of the biggest stories about COVID from the last 12 months. I mean, this is massive, major malfeasance. Intentional hiding of critical data from the public. This is fraudulent. It's so dishonest. And yet the media let him get away with it every step of the way. Why did they do that? Anything to beat Trump, anything that is useful for attacking Trump has to be protected. Any story that attacked the former president was justified. It didn't matter how dishonest. It didn't matter how many lies or what was at stake. For the Democrats, for the lib power apparatus, nothing was more important than defeating Donald Trump. And it's terrible that they managed to accomplish that, but they did. They were rewarded for this kind of behavior. The mainstream media may have a day or two here where some people open their eyes. I mean, you and I understand who they are already. Some people open their eyes to how disastrously partisan they are and how and how they're just so full of it. But at the end of the day, do you think that any of them would really change would they, would they really change what they did? No, Trump lost. That's all that matters to them. Sure, they lied about a mass casualty event in New York. People lost mothers, fathers, grandparents, huge numbers unnecessarily because of, re- uh, because of reckless policy. And it was all at the order of a governor who was a pompous jerk at every step of this thing. But people were terrified and he knows how to manipulate emotions. Have your press conference. Sit there. Have the slides. Tell people how much you care. Tell the people that you have family, too. And and my grandmother, your grandmother is not disposable. Um, Well, it turns out he was actually disposing of a lot of people's grandparents. 
an executive order to send COVID positive patients back into nursing homes. You could not have come up with a more disastrous public health policy than that. This was going after the single most vulnerable part of our population. Remember, almost half of all COVID deaths nationwide came in nursing homes, which is a very small percentage of the population. Nursing homes were the weak point here in our war against COVID. Nursing, nursing homes were the, the Achilles heel, and we did not do enough to protect them. And one of the reasons we did not do enough to protect them was that people were lying about what was going on in the early days, and they were trying to shift blame, and they were pushing panic, and they made it about an anti-Trump movement instead of what's going to save the most lives. And they pushed for lockdown, and they wanted control, and they fed the panic. You can look back now and see the Great Barrington Declaration, which states that there should have been uh, there should have been extreme measures to protect the at risk and minimal to no measures for the rest of us. If you want to save lives, that would have been the approach to take. But instead, we had the Fauciism of arbitrary and near endless lockdowns throughout 2020. That was the, the path they took. And people like Cuomo were taking a bow, getting Emmys for a disastrous a simply incomprehensibly awful performance as as essentially a COVID dictator, which is what Governor Cuomo and other governors became. The state legislature gave Cuomo power to do whatever he wanted. He took all that authority into his hands. He must be held to account. We don't have a recall mechanism in New York State like they do in California for Gavin Newsom. We should. There should be a a tsunami of pressure on on uh, governor cuomo to resign but that won't happen do you think they'll do a lot of really hard-hitting coverage on cnn you, you think that fredo is going to really dig deep into this one i don't think so the news media failed you on this they lied to you about this they helped in the cover-up and now it finally comes out through a leak not through dogged investigative journalism, not because the mainstream, the corporate media wanted you to find out because somebody was so disgusted on that call that they leaked the information to news outlets that would actually tell the story. You think that journalists now are going to be more honest in their coverage of the Biden administration? You think they've all of a sudden discovered honor or integrity? No. As far as they're concerned, and this is the part you have to really remember, they pretty much got away with this. It doesn't really matter. Trump is gone. Trump lost. Cuomo still in power. And the lockdowners are now talking about how we have to extend for months and months more. Governor Cuomo was the single worst governor in the entire country during the COVID pandemic. And you should never forget that the Democrat Party the corporate media celebrated him. They went in the exact opposite direction of the truth and they pretended they held him up as a hero while people were dying because of his order and he was lying to the public about the very numbers of those who died. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
You know, well, people have asked me about uh, there was some type of report about potential travel restrictions on Americans and on Floridians. Uh, and I just I think it's an absurd report uh, that they would be doing that. I think it would be unconstitutional. It would be unwise and it would be unjust. And if you think about it, restricting the right of Americans to travel freely throughout our country, while allowing illegal aliens to pour across the southern border unmolested would be a ridiculous but very damaging farce. So we will oppose it 100%. It would not be based in science. It would purely be a political attack against the people of Florida. Why would the Biden administration even consider taking action specifically against the state of Florida? We all know the answer, but we need to keep saying this out loud. Why would the Biden administration do that? Because Florida proves that the Democrats, the lockdowners, the Fauciites are a bunch of buffoons. The Democrats prove that they were not right by the actions, by the numbers now that we've seen. And they hate what Florida has done. They hate what Florida has shown the country which is, yes, there was no perfect answer. There's a pandemic. We didn't have a cure. We're still getting the vaccine out there. But arbitrary and capricious lockdowns were not the answer. They were not worth it. They did not work. That's why everyone's fleeing to Florida, not even just from the northeastern corridor where you got a ton of a ton of people from New York and New Jersey, but from California, from the West Coast. They're heading out to Florida, too. They've, they've had enough. It's fascinating. There's a. Uh, a piece in the New York Times by Ezra, Ezra Klein, who's just a, a dogmatic, orthodox left winger. All he does is tell people on the left exactly what they want to hear, never has an independent or interesting thought ever, and puts this sheen of he looks like a nerd, so he must be smart on it all, but not impressed. This whole thing, though, is if, if, if progressivism can't work in California, how can it work anywhere else? And, of course, he comes up with a million different rationalizations, and, and ultimately it's, that California is it's kind of governed in a conservative way, even though it's totally run by progressives. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a stunning uh, reversal? Who would have ever thought it's so liberal? It's conservative. It's so left wing. It's right wing or something like that. Right. I mean, it's just it's so dumb. But they're worried. They're worried. They know. OK, we, we've we've been forced to give them the keys to the car. Biden's in charge. He looks like he could fall asleep or take a nap at any moment. This is the guy that we were waiting for. This is who's going to fix the country, bring us together. The Democrats, who at least look awake, are going going on and on about how Trump supporters are terrorists. And basically, we need to send them to Gitmo. Great. That's really helping, really uniting the country. They shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, cost a bunch of actual Americans who are working hard jobs so that they could make donors to environmentalist groups and other left-wing causes in Malibu and Brooklyn feel good about themselves for a day or two. Yeah, fighting climate change. The border has been kicked wide open. All the old games are being played again. You show up, you say the lines, the cartels are going to be making tons of money off of this. This is what we get? Trump was worse than Hitler and Biden will be amazing. And this this is really where we are now, huh? Governor DeSantis is the beacon of light 
in all of this right now. There is a better way. There's a different way. There's good governance. There's making wise decisions, measured action based upon data and what a reasonable person thinks is, is fair to ask people in society to do. That's one way to go. Or we have the Newsom, Cuomo, Whitmer lockdown, lockdown harder. Put on one mask, put on two, put on three, maybe five. Don't go outside. Mask up alone in the woods with your dog. They actually say this stuff. They ban people from exercising alone at UC Berkeley. There is no, let me say, zero scientific basis for this. None, none whatsoever. This would be like telling, telling people to avoid STDs. Don't stand in the same room with anybody for 10 minutes. What does one have to do with the other? Eh, whatever. It'll work. Okay. Science. These people are power-mad imbeciles. And they think that the government, they think the state exists to make all problems disappear. What they never stop to think is maybe the state is actually the cause of a lot of problems. Maybe the reason that America has worked out so well is that it's a government first and foremost built upon individual liberty and the limitations of state power to infringe upon those liberties. Maybe that's a better approach. I don't know. A couple of hundred years of history seems to suggest that's better than what we see in other places around the world where the government can do anything to you it wants. This has been a stress test on our republic, on our freedom. This whole COVID nightmare. And I'm starting to think, finally, the lockdowners have gone so nuts and so overboard that enough Americans are waking up to this that we're going to start pushing back. You're in the Freedom Hut. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest from Buck at BuckSexton.com. Is it safe to relax these lockdowns now? You know, if you do it gradually, George, without like turning a light switch on and off. Remember, we had that conversation months and months ago when we were trying to open up America again for the economic reasons. You want to do it. You want to do it gradually and safely as opposed to just turning it on and off right away. There's still going to be the important need to wear masks. I think we still need to do that. You want to avoid congregate settings, but you can gradually get to the situation where you might open up restaurants with limited seating and things like that. But it's got to be done prudently and gradually. And when you say need for masks, you mean for quite some time into the foreseeable future, year, two years, three years? I'm not so sure it's measured in years, George, but I think until we get the level of virus to such a low level in the community, and I had said a projection, and it's only a projection, that hopefully by the time we get all the people vaccinated, let's say 70 to 85 percent of the people vaccinated, the level of virus in the community could be so low that you could start pulling back a bit on what are stringent public health measures. You don't want to do it all at once. But I think we're going to be wearing masks for several, several months into the future. He's actually telling you that we're going to be wearing masks until at least the end of this year. And probably this time next year. And I would wager they're not going to really. The mask shamers, the people, why aren't you wearing three masks? Where are your three masks? Eh?" Uh, Those people are not going to calm down until next June, not this June, next June. So if you're in a blue state, I know a lot of you in red states, you're like, stinks for you, Buck. I know. But if you're in a red state, you'll be okay. If you're in a blue state, 
There are going to be people. Remember, because it's all about whether they think the, the mob would be on their side. That's really what it comes down to. Are you in a part of the country where someone mask shaming you? You know, people that are standing around or that are watching this would say, it's just one person. They're probably fine. You're not near them. Stop being crazy. Leave them alone. Or would they all run up to you? Why aren't you wearing a mask? Where is your mask? Because I can tell you here in New York City, that's what it would be right away. How dare you not wear your mask? Oh, my gosh. All the time. All the time. I can't tell you how many people I see. The mask is down. Their nose is exposed. And I, I don't care. But I'm just saying, they, this is, this is, it's, the whole thing is so absurd. It, it, on its face. Now it's double masking. You know, I, I, had a, I put a video on TikTok. Got, I got uh, suspended from TikTok because I put a video up arguing that we shouldn't have to mask and social distance after. Any individual should not have to do that after they're vaccinated. Because we, we, th- at that point, you've hit an acceptable risk to other people. If I get vaccinated and I get sick and I die, that's on me. I want to live my life. If the rest of society gets vaccinated and then one or two people out of, out of 10,000 or 50,000 give the virus to somebody else, eventually there may be one person who dies because of COVID that wouldn't have otherwise. But is the speed limit 10 miles an hour or not? I know they hate this argument, but that's because it's true. The people that go, oh, look at seatbelts. Masks are like seatbelts. Really? You got to wear a seatbelt when you're going for a walk alone in the woods? Got to wear a seatbelt every time you're outside your home? Got to wear a seatbelt? I mean, no, it's not the same. One is super annoying and tyrannical and dehumanizing, and the other is a minor inconvenience for the duration of time that you are in a vehicle. And yeah, quite honestly, the government probably shouldn't be able to make you wear a seatbelt, if we're really being honest. And we say it's because, oh, because you could, I, I've heard the argument that you could become a projectile and hit somebody else, right? They make it about someone else so that they can control you, which has been the nightmare of COVID all along. You know, if it were just about you taking individual risks, that would be harder for them. But they say, oh, but you're putting all these other people at risk. So then they can control you. David Leonhart over at the New York Times wrote on COVID absolutism. And I, I'm, I'm starting to see this. Oh, the New York Times will publish something about how this has gone too far. The people who are saying, listen to the experts, obey the science. They are now officially emotionally unhinged about this for anyone who's paying attention. There's a balance here. I've never said Oh, there's no there's nothing we should do at all. There's no reason for worry that, you know, none, none of that. stuff. But they always pretend they create this massive straw man of, yeah, whatever. Just live your life. Go out there. Go to bars. Breathe in people's faces. Or you can't leave your home. You can't be outside. You can't do anything until they say so. And they'll say so not in a couple of days, not in a couple of weeks. Now we're going on a year. I'm just wondering, you know, you start to see this. Uh, with the government, where does this ability to protect the public from uh, the possibility of disease stop? You know, I mean, if the government wanted to indefinitely, uh, indefinitely quarantine a whole state, could they do that? Would, would that be okay? Would you be all right with the federal government saying, oh, sorry, we've had a lot of cases. Of course, it would be Florida they would pick on right now. A lot of cases in Florida, so no one's allowed to leave the state of Florida. And they put, you know, troops on the border and shut down all the airports. No one can leave Florida. Public health, public safety. 
I think there's a lot. I know this is just a thought experiment, but there's a lot of people in America right now who if Fauci said that's what we need, they would do it. They'd go along with it. Um, I would be at the point where I'd have to say uh, it is time to take up arms. We cannot allow that. That is the kind of tyranny that was warned about in the Constitution. That is the kind of tyranny that was the basis for the Second Amendment, right? You can't go anywhere. You didn't do anything wrong because the public because the public health authorities say so for how long? How long can they lock you in your home? I mean, is this communist China? You started to see. I understand. We're not at that point. I know that we have not yet gotten there, but we've been moving in that direction. And there's been far too little willingness to have a discussion about what what are the red lines here? Finally, it seems the New York Times, finally, the New York Times has published something where they're saying, you know what? Uh, This has gone too far. And they liken it to the overreaction to the AIDS crisis, which is interesting on many levels. But one of them is that Dr. Fauci was one of the people who was just stunningly, horrifically wrong about who was really at risk from HIV and what public health measures would help contain that virus. You can go back and see this is all public record because that's that's how long Fauci is running the CDC or NIAH or whatever. Uh, that's how long Fauci's been in public health since he's been there since the 80s. Think about this. This guy's been in this game a very long time. Terribly wrong on HIV. But let me go to this, this piece in the New York Times. Uh, in a public health emergency, absolutism is a very tempting response. People should cease all behavior that creates additional risk. That instinct led to calls for gay men to stop having sex during the AIDS crisis. It has also spurred campaigns for teen abstinence to reduce STDs and to fight obesity. People have been drawn to fads like the elimination of trans fats. These days, there is a new absolutist health fad, the discouragement or even prohibition of any behavior that seems to increase the risk of coronavirus infection, even minutely. People continue to scream at joggers, walkers and cyclists who are not wearing masks. The the University of California, Berkeley this week, banned outdoor exercise, masked or not, saying the risk is real. The University of Massachusetts Amherst has banned outdoor walks. It encouraged students to get exercise by accessing food and participating in twice weekly covid testing. A related trend is hygiene theater. As Derek Thompson of The Atlantic described it, the New York City subway system closes every night, for example, so that workers can perform a deep cleaning. There are two big questions to ask about these actions. How much are they doing to reduce the spread of the virus? And do they have any downside? The answer to the first question, according to many experts, is they seem to do little good. Prohibiting outdoor activity is unlikely to reduce the spread of the virus, nor is urging people always to wear a mask outdoors, end quote. Who, who has been saying this? I, I, I don't mean to do this. I told you so thing, but I've been telling you this all along. And I know you listen to me because you agree with me because you're smart and you understand what's going on. So we've been saying this for how many months? You and I, we've been telling anybody who will listen this for how long? Outdoor masking is crazy. There is no data to support this. There is no reason to believe people need to do this. 
unless you are up close to people so that your breath is actively hitting them in the face for 10 or 15 minutes at a time. So yes, you know, should you go shoulder to shoulder 100 people in a protest? Probably not. But walking around on the street, I mean, I want to bang the table. There is no science or data to support outdoor masking. Why won't Fauci say that? Why won't Fauci say it? Because he's a little coward. That's why. Because he wants the establishment. He wants the Democrats to like him. He wants to be the man of science. If they were reasonable, I would give greater leeway for them to be wrong on things where they're wrong based in good faith. Do I think, for example, that the you know, that, that masking is an, is an exaggerated defense against this virus because the left has politicized us? I think it's exaggerated, yes. I think it can work in certain circumstances, in certain times. Worn a, if you wear it 100% of the time, correctly, a fresh mask, can it help? Somewhat. Not a lot. Go look at, go look at the data on, on measles, aerosolized virus. Go look at the data on measles and you'll see. You, you go into a room and you, you've got a cloth mask on you're, and you're susceptible. You're, you're still getting measles, basically, if you're there for more than 20 minutes. So it's not 100%. It's not even close to 100%. And, and no one knows what the real percentage is. But just based on the observations we have of places where there's widespread masking, it's clearly not as effective as I said, which is why they're demanding double masks now. And I told you they would six months ago. Nine months ago, they're going to claim double masking needs to happen. Why would they say if, if, if a mask is so effective, why is it double masks now? Because they have to go to the next thing. The logic of the absolutism here is, oh, we just doomed it, didn't do it enough. It's like the logic of supporting communism. Oh, my God, it's ruined society. Oh, this wasn't the right kind of communism. Right. This wasn't the right kind of Fauciism we've suffered through in this country. That's why we didn't stop the virus in its tracks. But, you know, if they were willing to be fair and say things like, no, there is no reason to mask outdoors. There was never any reason to shut down gyms. That was that was also crazy. There was never enough of a risk in restaurants where people are seated at different tables with decent ventilation to shut down all these restaurants. New York City thought that one percent. This is the most restaurants, the densest city in the country. They thought that about one point six percent of covid cases were coming from restaurants. One point six percent. And you're shutting down. I, I, you know, can we focus on the other eight uh, percent? Oh, no, because that's harder. That's harder to, to get compliance over. You, you see, they're wrong. They've been wrong a lot. And some people are starting to notice that if you don't tell the crazies to stop being crazy, it keeps going. It keeps going. Get exercise when you leave your room for your twice weekly COVID test, they say at the University of Massachusetts. I mean, that place is now effectively an insane asylum. And now I also have to think about how much real and serious and honest mental health destruction is going on across the country because of this. And it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Make people terrified, lonely, and depressed and tell them the only way things will get better is if they do the things that are making them more terrified, lonely, and depressed. That is our COVID policy in a nutshell. 
You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. More on this COVID absolutism piece in the New York Times. Finally, some sanity appearing in the pages of the New York Times when it comes to COVID. Quote, worldwide, scientists have not documented any instances of outdoor transmission unless people were in close conversation, according to Dr. Muj Savik, an infectious disease specialist at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. The small number of cases where outdoor transmission might have occurred were associated with close interactions, particularly extended duration or settings where people mixed indoors alongside an outdoor setting, i.e. extreme close contact outside. You know, yeah, if someone's spittle is hitting you in the face, you can get COVID from them, obviously. If you are walking out in open air, there is no risk of COVID to people not next to you. None. Okay, we've had millions and millions and millions of cases around around the world. We've had a year of this. Why can't Fauci, why can't the experts come out and say this? Because once they start to release some control and people see it's okay, then they might start to think for themselves in other areas. They might think, wow, maybe I shouldn't be under so much control for all these other things going on, too. The new variants of the virus are more contagious, but there is no evidence to suggest they will change this pattern with regard to outdoor transmission. As my colleague Tara Parker Poe puts it, avoid breathing the air that other people exhale. A student walking across campus, let alone a masked student, uh, he writes, presents little risk to another student who remains six feet away. The same goes for joggers in your neighborhood. The story is similar for deep cleaning. Scientists increasingly say there's little to no evidence that contaminated surfaces can spread the virus. The one surface that is important to wash frequently and vigorously is the human hand. That's right, because your human hand goes in your eye, let's be honest, in your mouth, in your nose. And that's why your hands, hand washing does make a difference, is helpful. But, I mean, they have a, they have a photo here of a guy who's deadlifting with a, with a face mask on, and that hits home because I'm doing that now as often as I can, and it's moronic. I'm usually alone in the gym with a mask on exercising because they say so, because Cuomo and the morons and the Fauciite cowards say so. Taking every possible precaution back to this piece is unrealistic. Human beings are social creatures who crave connection and pleasure and cannot minimize danger at all times. Despite the risks, we eat carbs, drink wine, go sledding, even ride in automobiles. We enjoy taking outdoor walks and drinking a cup of coffee on a public bench. People, many people who find exercise, uh, exercise find it difficult to do so in a mask. It feels a bit like suffocating. You're damn right. The, the lockdowners need to stop being crazy. The science is not on their side. This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. We got our friend Jack Posobiec from One America News with us now. He's a correspondent and he's a former intelligence analyst. So he's my IC brother from another mother. Jack, good to see you. Buck, always a pleasure, man. So you're in D.C. and we still have this National Guard deployment going on here. Um, what what's happening with this? What, why is this continuing on even when it seems any reasonable expectation of threat from the Trump mob or something, whatever they were saying before, is gone. Right. So 
and and to give people a sense of of what this is like, you know, I'm right here on Constitution Avenue in Washington D.C. That's where our studios are. Um, that's that's public. I need to look that up. But in this building, directly in front of it, for the last month now, over a month, we've had a chain link uh, steel fence topped by razor wire put directly on top of our sidewalk. So we can't even go into into the street. You know, you can't even park your car there. Uh, be, immediately behind that are armed troops, National Guard, still on a daily basis, positioned. Um, it, it's at least throughout the workday. I, I would be surprised to know if they weren't there at night. That's where we're seeing some of these parking lot images that are still coming out. These guys are marching. They're on foot patrol, and they have been doing absolutely nothing other than create a security presence, a theater, all the way since about January 8th, I think is when they really first got everything out here. And it's incredible to me to see these guys. It kind of reminds me of the old Monty Python sketch, marching up and down the square, Right for no reason. Um, there's no, been no credible threat told to us, but we now hear from the headlines that the bean counters have come down on all of this. They're looking at a $500 million price tag for this deployment. And keep in mind, this is National Guard. These are people who have other jobs, they have families, they have wife, kids, etc. And yet they're being told to be out here for what we don't know. The latest that we're hearing is that. Donald Trump himself, when he was president, actually requested 10,000 National Guard, not for the inauguration, but for the events of January 6th, because he wanted the Capitol to be safe. Apparently, his request was denied. I didn't know that the commander in chief made requests, by the way, but that's another story. Um, secondly, Ted Lieu, in the well of the Senate yesterday, made a statement that this deployment is going to continue. Why? Not because there are credible and active threats to our capital, and thank God there aren't, but he said they are gonna stay there until Donald Trump concedes the election. What is that? What are you doing with our national security, Ted? What are you doing with our country? Is this all just a struggle session for Trump and Trump supporters? And are you really telling us that you're abusing the power of the United States military for political purposes? Because I got to tell you, it sure feels an awful lot like that. You know, I spoke, Jack, to House, Intelli House Intelligence Committee member Devin Nunes earlier this week, interviewed him. And I asked him straight up, I said, have, have you seen any intelligence at all? that indicates that there's a need for a continuing National Guard presence in D.C. He said, absolutely not. And he said, in addition to that, why are we having a a trial right now for Trump based on an incitement to an insurrection where there are still very important questions that need answers and therefore that require investigation? Like who was in the chain of command uh, on the day of January 6th for how many uh, security personnel were going to be there? What decisions were made? Why can't how can we have a real answer about this if we don't know to what degree was this planned in advance? What decisions were made on the day of? These are all things that you would need to know. But it feels a bit like, Jack, the Democrats are just planning to run with the narrative irrespective of what holes there are in the actual story. Well, see, but this is where your background and my background come into play, because when we look, when there's been a tactical event we want to know everything that happened, blue force, red force, right? We want to know 
what type of planning was there where where did these pipe bombs come from that we still haven't identified the perpetrator you know we can see uh, their hoodie and their shoes you know the nike air maxes but we can't tell when those pipe bombs were put oh wait was it the sixth or was it the fifth because originally the fbi said it was january 6th later we find out that they were actually in place the night before who was that? Why were they placed the night before? Obviously, this was, you know, goes to the heart of the question. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to know this stuff for political purposes. We want to know if there actually are domestic terrorists that are trying to bomb the United States Capitol, regardless of their reasons or political ideology, right? This is a national security matter, obviously. Second, we want to know what was the chain of command breakdown? Where was the intelligence failure? Where was the operational failure? We've seen the eight-page letter now from the former Capitol Police Chief, Chief Sund, and he wrote that he requested National Guard multiple times. He was denied that by the now former Sergeant Arms of the House and Senate, uh, clearly was denied by Mayor Bowser, who still has her tweet up uh, bragging about how she's denying Trump's request for National Guard to be deployed because uh, there was this, you know, people forget because it's it's gone so far and the gaslighting is so strong from this impeachment, and that's really the point of everything here, is that there was a narrative in sort of like the left-wing media universe that Trump was going to deploy the National Guard, he wanted to, in order to kind of uh, enact his own coup of the government to stop Congress to suspend their operations and stay in office. I'm sure you remember, like, like they were talking about that on MSNBC. Yes, it was. Uh, uh, the MSNBC has had all kinds of of theories out there. I mean, the, the one thing that's that's astonishing to me is to this day, we have CNN and MSNBC pretending that there was a credible threat of overthrow of the government from the so-called insurrection. How was how that going to happen? The, the people that were the, the so-called insurrectionists weren't even armed, Jack. So the guy with the body paints and the the plastic Viking horns uh, and the face, you know, the face paint was actually going to try to throw over the U.S. government. It's it, it, it just completely flies in the face of reason. Look, we all know that the events were terrible, but we also have to be serious and sober about what actually happened. And were there were there bad actor elements that went in to try to incite this violence to try to actually make this uh, this what was purported to be a peaceful protest was planned to be a peaceful protest, which, by the way, 99 percent of the people remained peaceful and stood outside. I was I was there across the street watching the entire thing. Um, you know, I was on the roof right here again, right across the street from the Capitol Dome. Um, and for the most part, you stood you saw people just standing around the lawn who didn't know what was going on. Even funny enough, um, I was there outside i didn't know what was going on inside the capitol until one of my producers called me and said have you seen these videos on twitter i said no i'm outside there's no signal what's going on and they're they're telling me about this and i said really because outside it's 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 dead people are just kind of standing around nobody knows what's going on jack i want to switch gears for a moment we're speaking to jack posobic of one america news network and uh jack tell everybody uh, i like to tell everybody that you're not only a former intel analyst but you're a china specialist and a mandarin yes. speaker so this is right in the center of your wheelhouse. What are we seeing from Xi and what are we seeing from Xi Jinping, a Chinese Communist Party with this new Biden administration that you find troubling? And, and explain to people why, you know, a lot of foreign policy just sounds like an intellectual exercise. When, when it comes to China, it affects everybody. Everyone who's listening to this, if they don't care about China, China cares about them. 
Well, I would point it to everybody else that, you know, if you're in one of these states that's still locked down, if you're going into a restaurant or, or a movie theater or you can't go into a restaurant or a movie theater unless you're wearing a mask, if your kids are stuck at home because there's no school, that's because of China. And that's because of the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, and their their mafia regime that they have controlling their country that's been there for almost 100 years now. This is the regime that's responsible for Now, look, we don't know yet if this thing came from the Wuhan lab or this thing came from the, you know, the, the wet market there and, and the pangolins and bats. But what we do know is that when the WHO spends a couple of days going into that lab a year after the fact, after they had a year to clean up everything that they were doing there and Shi Zhongli, the bat woman of China and the gain of function experiments that she was working on. And then they come out and say, we're not going to look at the lab anymore within just a couple of days of this. It really asks, makes you want to start asking questions. How much power does the CCP and how much influence do they have over these international institutions? That's the same thing we're seeing now with the Biden administration, where you saw that in that interview with 60 Minutes, he was deferential to Xi Jinping. He said, I don't want to insult him. I think he's undemocratic, but I don't mean it as an insult. What kind of a statement is that for an American president to make? We heard Tony Blinken during his confirmation, the, the new Secretary of State, say we wanted to exercise strategic patience strategic patience, really, while they're encroaching on the Taiwan Strait, while they're pushing through the South China Sea and through international waters and building militarized islands. But we want to be patient with them. This is all a turn back to the Obama, Bush, Clinton era of allowing China to get away with whatever they want to turn over this massive, the keys to this massive economic engine that is U.S. capital to have that continue to flow into Chinese coffers in Shanghai, in Beijing, and of course in Wuhan. And then also to put up this sort of, I would almost control it, call it like a like a fake opposition, you know, like a controlled opposition, you know. So I was in the Navy, I was a Navy officer, right? And we constantly would run these freedom of operation uh, or freedom of navigation operations in the South China Sea. We just ran one again through the Taiwan Strait. That's what they call it when two carriers will operate or a destroyer will go through the Taiwan Strait. Here's the, and we make such a big deal out of it. The Navy makes a huge deal about it. The Pentagon makes a huge deal. We're standing up to the Chinese. We're standing up to Chinese expansionism of the PLA. And, and here's the thing. The People's Republic of China could care less. They say, great, you can watch us as we're building our, our fleets. You can watch us as our, as our aircraft carrier capability expands. You can watch us as we steal your technology and then use it against you. You can watch as our cyber, secure, or as our cyber operations move to dismantle your ships and, and uh, disrupt your operations, right? And again, you saw this on that phone call, the readout we got from Xi Jinping and Joe Biden. He wishes him happy Chinese New Year. He's talking about, well, you know, we care so much about these... Uh, about the human rights abuses in Xinjiang. It's all very, very bad, bringing the hands. No discussion whatsoever of, at the economic levers of power that could be used. That is something that, you know, regardless of, you know, you want to be a Trump supporter, not a Trump supporter, but he understood that economic leverage is America's best and really only level of influence with the People's Republic of China. Now you're seeing that it is that failed policy from beforehand, which really is their intention to allow China to expand, to allow this economic and financial engine to be fueled and financed by who? Us, in many cases. And then really to just put up this sort of, well, 
I, I puffed my chest and I, I beat my hands and rattled my sabers, but in the end, China still won. What do you think China is going to do? We only got about a minute or two here, Jack. But what do you think China is going to do in order to win against this Biden administration? Well, what we need to be very careful about in the next one to two years coming up to 2022 is looking at Xi Jinping and his interest in Taiwan. If he feels that his position is threatened, 2022 is the year he was supposed to step down as president. He then declared himself uh, the chairman for life, general secretary of the party. If he feels threatened, if he feels his position is threatened, I guarantee you he will institute a naval blockade of Taiwan and he will try to force Taiwan and the West into a Hong Kong style turnover agreement to solidify his position within the Politburo Standing Committee as that secretary chairman of the Chinese Communist Party. Jack Posobiec, One American News. Jack, my friend, always good to see you. Always good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Buck. Always a pleasure.